All right, welcome to another episode of Dropkick Basement. Um, heading into the latter part of October, um, this is your host, Mike Madden. I am uh, joined by two co-hosts uh, that, uh, that you all know, respect, and appreciate. Um, Tommy Schultz uh, on the board with us. Tommy, how are you this fine evening? Feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, we got the 2000s coming up. But we- uh, <laughs> two, two of uh, two of my favorite gimmicks made it to the final four, so I am I am very happy. <laughs> You're very happy. All right, yes. Um, and uh, the the leader of this episode, the uh, our our guiding uh, our guiding force on the mothership, uh, Matt Geiger, returning from a uh, a couple weeks. Uh, uh, a couple episode uh, uh, sojourn away, Matt. How are you today? Yeah, the big stick boy is uh, feeling a lot better. Very so, good. Very. Um, good. I'm here and I'm ready to go. <laughs> and you and you're ready to to share with us who you think uh, really cuts the muster, so to speak, in the uh, the 2000s for the uh, for the tournament and gimmicks. Um, by the way, just before uh, Matt gets started with his uh, his analysis and and his uh, his bracket. Uh, big success so far. Tournament of gimmicks. Uh, the feedback that we've been getting, uh, either in person through social media, through uh, you know, I guess some of the some of the what's the word I'm thinking of? Some of the like the feedback in the actual like uh, the you know the the online reviews stuff like that. Everybody loves the tournament of gimmicks. It's a huge success. Um, so the the three of us are definitely going to be thinking about more. Um, multi-episode tournaments uh, that we're going to share with y'all in the future and uh, and really kind of uh, expand on this one because uh, I think and I think I speak for my uh, for my partners here I think the turning tournament of gimmicks has, has certainly been a, uh, a fun one to put up with and and to uh, to argue amongst ourselves for sure Oh yeah, I've I've been having a ton of fun with it, especially since I got to do two different brackets. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, and then Tommy, so just to, yeah, Tommy to and I the, uh, to peel the curtain back. Uh, I I actually I came up with one, and uh, I think we lost the audio for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, we did. Oh, we did. Uh, fortunately for all of you, because my first bracket was horrible. No, it wasn't bad. It was. <laughs> it was. It was it a was great first effort, Mike. Mike. Mike, let's not let's not beat around the bush here. It was terrible. Okay, well, dog shit is still uh, is still a natural thing. But regardless, uh, we're giving you a second crack at it this time, um, and uh, we've got a lot of new listeners. So uh, because the tournament of gimmicks has, be- has become such a successful uh, entity here, um, let's not make them wait longer. Let's give the people what they want, as Excalibur would say, and um, show us what you got, Matt. Tell us uh, where right. you're starting off. So um, I was in charge of uh, the early to mid 2000s of mm. the tournament of gimmicks. Um, in in true Matt Geiger fashion, I, I wanted to uh, originally start off with what I thought were just some awful, awful ideas. Uh, and then I had like one or two, you know, um, like actually legitimate uh good working gimmicks um after we lost the audio i went and i revamped it uh i was i was a little sick boy for a little bit so i was able to uh 
tune it a little bit and I sent it to the boys and I think I'm pretty happy with what we came up with here. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with me. We've had some, uh, we've had a couple of days to sit on it and, and look mm-hmm. at it. So uh, without further ado, we're going to kick off the one versus 16 matchup. Okay. And we have Hornswoggle at the number one. Okay. Paired up against the 16 seed anonymous raw general manager. Now, just for everybody, for everybody at home, <laughs> for everybody at home, um, uh, we're gonna do a majority vote on this bracket specifically. Yes, uh, I thought it would be a little bit more fun to have some banter and to uh, uh, have a little bit of a back and forth with the boys. So we're all gonna collectively vote on who we think. Uh, is the uh, is the best gimmick of the two thousands mm-hmm. for sure? Um, so while we're while with that being said, the one seed horn swaggle, as we all know, our lovable little friend, uh, was was originally debuted as a sidekick for Fit Finley. Yes, yes. Uh, you know because Fit Finley's Irish and Vince McMahon's a racist. Um, <laughs> and an Irishman too himself. <laughs> Hit one of history's worst Irishmen. Yeah. So um so Hornswoggle debuted as Fit Finley's uh counterpart or uh, not counterpart, but uh, you know, mascot more or less. Little um, bastard. Yeah. That's what he was. Uh, yeah. To go along with a, a shillelagh that he carried around oh, yes. the ring. Wow man. Um yeah, and then we then you know as as weird and uh, unstable as Vince was at the time, we uh, further progressed Hornswoggle's character to learn that he was Vince McMahon's bastard son. Yes, yes. Uh, we we had so much fun. We we got to have a lot of fun with Hornswoggle while he while he had his time in WWE though. Um, you got a you got a, a bunch of really cool stuff that he did. We had the WLC match uh, after, mm-hmm. you know, he broke the mold of being a uh, leprechaun. Um, he he had that uh, spot in the Royal Rumble with uh, Cena and Kofi. He had a bunch of spots in the Royal Rumbles through yeah. the years. He was yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we we saw the spot with uh, Zelina Vega where he mm-hmm. was like eating her butt or whatever and hiding under the <laughs> ring. Yes, yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, like I, I feel like this is like Hornswoggle was the gimmick of the two thousands. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it, he he was like the epitome of what it was to like get over with a gimmick, uh, which is why I had him at the one. And he's and still the, uh, he's still out there doing it today. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. um, I know he he right now is making um he's still traveling doing the indie scene and mm-hmm. uh, he he has. Recur- recurring spots with um with impact and uh you know yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the occasion the occasional pop in on monday night raw for like i uh, was i was just gonna say like <laughs> if if his phone rings and they're like listen we need to he's not gonna argue he's just gonna say uh you know give me my ticket or or you know somebody pick me up from the airport and i'll i'll show up at uh at a uh, smackdown or raw or whatever like he's a goer I, i'm I'm also still convinced that Vince sends like a clown car to pick him up. <laughs> well, I don't know if Vince is sending anybody any cars these days. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's all be honest with that. Uh, Vince um, might have oh, wasted well, yeah, his uh, he, his expense account. He uh, yeah, he, he's not also not controlling the company right now. That's right. And that's right. I, I think you could I think you could see that with the uh, the, the product that's being put out. But yeah. uh, that's neither here nor there. 
All right. Um, so, so we have Hornswoggle at the number one. We mm-hmm. have um, the anonymous raw general manager at the okay. 16. Okay. Um, I, I actually like this idea until you find out who the anonymous raw general manager is. <laughs> uh, because as we all know, it wound up being uh, the gimmick itself was you know, in the middle of Raw or to start off Raw or to start off, uh, you know, segment two uh, after commercial break, mm-hmm. the lights would flicker and you would uh, you would hear a text message sound and Michael Cole would interrupt the entire show yeah. and Oof. step up to a podium and read an email or a message from the anonymous Raw general manager, uh, who we later come to find out is just fucking Michael Cole. No, wasn't it Hornswoggle? No, it was Michael Cole. Mm. wait that was the okay I have check to, your I notes have to, i have to admit that i was i was you're checked out. Tapped out around <laughs> around this this time yeah and so i i'm i saw it a few times but i i never knew what the payoff was i thought it was john laurinitis no i think it ended up being hornswoggle himself he was like under the he got pulled out from under the ring one night and he had the laptop and then somebody chased him around the ring a bunch. Okay, so so Hornswoggle was the actual anonymous Raw General Manager, but yeah. there was an episode where Michael Cole claimed to be the oh, anonymous Raw yeah, General yeah. Manager. Well, like, no. and that was the, the 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 big conceit was that Michael Cole was going into business for himself, and like, um, and he was because it depended on like this is when they were trying to turn Michael Cole into a heel, which was fucking just stupidest Ugh. idea. Um, oh my god! And I think the I whole think Michael Cole in the Royal Rumble was one of the worst spots. Yeah, ever. well, he had a WrestleMania match. Yeah, and won. That's even worse. Um, but <laughs> no, his his involvement with that was like he got like a big head from it. So that was like uh, that was the speculation was like oh it's going to end up being Michael Cole and and you know they kind of kind of work the internet fans that way uh, and then I think they were like. That yeah, swerve, it's hornswoggle. <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Right. Well, yeah, because it didn't make any sense. Like, I mean, some of the stuff that they did, like the 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 way it was, um, the way it was presented, and, the, and some of the things that they got out of it actually wound up being pretty cool. But inevitably, I think you're right, Mike. Where uh, they kind of they they kind of were too on uh, like on the nail with yeah it being Michael Cole. So they had to hit swerve and they realized that it didn't matter who it was anyway. So they just made it horn swoggle. Yeah. Yeah. And then they were like, all right, bye. It's over. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, horn swoggle had, I don't think ever talked on WWE television. Did right? A lot of grunting. Yeah. Arr, yeah. Arr, arr. So <laughs> we basically, uh, we're basically Jeez. put into a position where we have the number one seed horn swoggle against the number 16 seed. Anonymous Hornswoggle. Maybe Hornswoggle? <laughs> question mark. <laughs> so the question is, which Hornswoggle gets by? I think the, the re- I think round. the real one uh, has a lot. And, and here's all right. So this is the part where um, we praise Hornswoggle. Uh, he was again. He's a guy that they could call tomorrow. Everybody recognizes him. He was on that television show every freaking week in multiple segments, and. For a while, they're fucking ruined Chavo Guerrero and and Carlito uh, in like separate feuds where he was doing like Bugs Bunny bullshit to them. Um, so, oh my god! At for every like <laughs> for every WLC that they sort of like, all right, well, hey, listen, like this actually ended up pretty good. There's probably three like really bad memories of Hornswoggle, oh, yeah. 
Um, oh, for sure. But for what it's worth, like it was, the, it was there for kids. It was when they wanted to become quote unquote PG. Um, he got to rub elbows with the biggest people in the company. Um, and even if they were cartoony segments with Vince McMahon, you're still in a segment with Vince McMahon, you know, um, and Triple H and Sean when he was in DX and all the other like, so high profile yeah, they, shit. They put a lot of trust into him. They yeah. put a lot of trust into him, yeah. and and he did deliver on a majority of it. Um, I, I I would I would go out on a whim here and say that I don't think he was doing a lot of his own story writing. No. <laughs> no. Um, but I mean, like, how could he so reach like, the table? For instance, like, uh, there was there was a segment where uh, the the anonymous Raw general manager trades for Edge from SmackDown to Raw. Yeah, and, like that's not Hornswoggle. We all know that. But like, you know, the anonymous Raw general manager did serve a purpose, and um, it kind of shook things up in that era where they really needed some stuff to be done. Um, Tommy, yeah. I know you were kind of checked out at this point, so you should be yeah. very happy that you didn't have to watch a lot of this. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, the little bit of it th that I did see was usually, uh, like on pay-per-views and stuff where they would like have it pop up, yeah. um, yeah, randomly. Would, right. Right. And they and would change I, a stipulation or, yeah, yeah, I didn't know what was going on. Um, cause it was just like this era of raw, I, I don't know what is what is it like late, late 2000. This is like yeah. 2009, 2010. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I was so checked out. <laughs> I think I might have an actual date here. The, um, this, so the, the day that they traded Edge to SmackDown was October 5th, 2010. Ooh. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So the, the anonymous world general manager was a 2010 gimmick. Mm. All right. So he's, he's automatically um, disqualified. We're, we're, I think we're putting, <laughs> I think we're putting uh, Horn Swaggle through on this. Yeah. Thing, let's, right? let's put him through because, yes. Because he deserves to be through. All right. Okay, so right. we're going to move on Let's. to my 8-9 matchup. Mm -hmm. The 8 is uh, it's somebody who I didn't know a lot about at the time. Um, I would always see, um, you know, little things here and there from uh, from TNA. Um, and when I when I actually did see this guy, I was like, well, it's just a guy in a mask. It's a ripoff of Stone Cold. But the more and more you watch it, the more and more you start to realize that that Shark Boy was actually pretty goddamn cool. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. So the eighth seed here is Shark Boy. Yes. Um, now this, I, I could talk a little bit about it. Um, few and far between, I watched TNA uh, at that point. I've actually started to go a little bit back uh, into some deep dives and and kind of go over some old older Impact and TNA stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but Shark Boy has been a staple of Impact and TNA since basically two or three years after they started the company. Yeah, I I think when they started, it because, was pretty much there from the jump. Because I, I, I huh. was Shark Boy could have been an indie guy. He, um, what, I, I don't whoever he was yeah yeah whoever he, was, he came in as shark boy but still it was yeah. like from the very beginning it was like this and then again like that was that was the let's throw anything at the wall uh time of tna because vincent russo was uh was writing that show uh brother and but shark boy caught on what really got shark boy over was when he became like 
he had an accident and all of a sudden he thought he was Steve Austin. Um, uh, yeah. Shell. Yeah. That was his, uh, his catchphrase. Yeah. Give me a shell. Yeah. 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 Uh, Um, so, um, so many puns here. Um, uh, he wrestled under the ring name shark boy and TNA prior to TNA. He competed in independence scene in the nineties before being signed to WCW in 99. Oh, wow. Yes. That I didn't know. So, uh, uh, been in WCW, got released six months later, and then uh, joined TNA in 2002. Okay, so yeah, that was so yeah, that was their first. That was the, yeah, their the their first year. Yeah. Uh, also, also known as El Piranha, okay. Dean Baldwin <laughs> and Dean Roll. Okay. Dean Roll is his real name. Oh, you're doxing the guy now. Come on. Yeah, come on. Built man. from twenty thousand leagues under the yeah, sea. Yeah, was from twenty thousand leagues under the sea. <laughs> There's so much good shit. Like Shark Boys, Shark Boy is a wealth, and uh, and like a, like you can you can take that in a million different directions. When they started, like he was, I just remember like watching, and I've seen this like on YouTube since. But like he had like some sort of partnership with New Jack for a while. Um, which made for a oh my very interesting combination of people. The clip, the clip of Shark Boy throwing a Hulk hand into the ring and New Jack <laughs> knocking somebody out with a Hulk hand <laughs> through a through a table to win a tables match. Yeah, yeah, that was a great tag team. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was fun to watch and um, uh, rest in peace, New Jack. But uh, you know, he uh, he, he was <laughs> New Jack was a, a goddamn nut job. So to to like to rank for all people to be able to wrangle him in to have TNA be the ones to be able to do it and, and yeah find some success by pairing him with of all people Shark Boy Shark Boy yeah it's pretty impressive I think he called his fans his chums too God there's so many puns there's uh, well, the, his finisher was his finisher was the Shark Boy the Shark Boy chummer that's what it was the chummer yeah it wasn't the stunner it was yeah. a chummer that's what it was fuck this guy's great <laughs> holy shit <laughs> i listen we're like we're doing such a good job hyping him up that i'm afraid like I, not that i'm afraid but like it's gonna be hard for the nine seed to get through all right who's this uh, nine, the seed? nine seed the nine seed is the man with the jazzy scooter the man with the uh million workouts uh simon dean oh shit i like simon dean too and this this is such a tough matchup because <sighs> the, the last the last show that we recorded we did such a good job of talking up simon dean to try to get eugene eliminated i like i like um, I, don't, don't blow it don't blow it let's not reference those lost those are lost tapes um it's fine it's fine simon dean's a great that's a great character i think in another episode we we mentioned how the body donnas they didn't really flesh it out they were just like we like to go to the gym and it's like well everybody in the fucking yeah, company and, likes to go to the gym right and and we and we basically said like simon dean yes he was the info simon dean got, got yeah. the packaging and the vignettes that yeah the body donnas needed to get over yes yes they they gave simon dean more of a runway to 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 run on it's and listen, it's it's tough because Simon Dean, I I don't think got a, his fair shake at um, being taken as a legitimate competitor. Um, well, he, with that he gimmick, had some I good, don't think you can. Uh, yeah, there there was a way to do it if they did it right. Um, I think at that point, anybody who didn't have a serious angle was a joke. Yeah, I mean, you know I mean, time like, where that was the that was the only way to get. Uh, I, I think I think Vince's um, Vince's brain. Functioning at that point was like, 
well, if, if it's not Edge versus CM Punk, then uh, yeah. you, you got to have something to bring to the table. Yeah. But yeah. I also think, like, at that time, most of the top guys were just, like, guys. Like, they're just themselves. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Well, Batista, yeah, you had, you Cena, had Cena. Like, Batista, they're just, yeah. there's no gimmick, yeah. really. It's just, like, Yeah, uh, I mean, aside from, aside from the rated R superstar, you really didn't have much gimmick at that time in the main event scene, at least. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, um, and I that, know you like you had the, you had the Nexus at that point. Um, oh no, no, Simon Lee really was gimmick. way before the Nexus. Before that, wasn't yeah, he? way before that. Like he was like oh, two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah, I, okay. I, I, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Nexus wasn't until like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah. But it, the, getting back to what you were saying, though, like the the point that you're getting at is that the sort of personality gimmicks and the guys that were. Uh, you know, based on something in pop culture or a occupation, were strictly like mid card, lower card guys. So they were they were fodder for the, uh, but they were there to get on TV. And if like if it caught fire, like I'm sure there's a few guys that are going to be in this that are like wow, like they they really like hit something with that. But a lot of it was meant to be the gimmicks are mean or or meant to be like you know opening match things like. Simon Dean goes out there, yeah, it's, calls it's, you all fat, get, tells you you have to buy this like supplement, and you're supposed to sit there and boom. And then the hurricane yeah, it's, comes it's, out and beats him. Oh, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then tries, <laughs> like, to, tries to choke slam uh, Kane and uh, and, and Undertaker at the yeah, same time. Yeah. You know? um, I will say you, you are right about that, Mike. I think at the time um, it was trying to gear more towards kids. I think that was when they were they first went publicly traded and. Um, well, I mean, I think it's like mid to late 2000s where they were going publicly traded and they were trying to cater more towards a PG crowd. So if it there. wasn't a serious yeah. storyline, they, they were trying to do things to keep the kids interested mm-hmm. in watching the matches and, yeah. and the segments and stuff. So, um, But as far as Simon Dean goes, that was like, like we said, that was like, what, 2004, 2005? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a hard time to break through for anybody in the WWE because there was still – there were still so many top tier guys that, that had a stranglehold on that main event picture. You had, you still had triple H there. You still had edge. You still had Christian. You still had undertaker. You had Cena making his way up. You had Eddie Chavo. You had Rey Mysterio. You had all these guys that were like really at the, at the peak of their game at that time. So, Um, uh, yeah. Like these guys were, were destined to be mid quarters or under quarters. And it worked out for Randy Orton. So, yeah. Uh, but no, 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 I, Simon Dean's a, that, that's a great character. Um, as far as like who gets by, Ooh, I, I'm, I'm going shark boy. I, yeah, I'm going shark, I love shark, shark boy. All right. So shark I'm boy will we advance are in agreeance. Okay. Uh, the next matchup is the five twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not a, uh, a person per se for the matchups. Ooh. Um, but as much as it is to, um, Stables, uh, if you may call them, or uh, tag teams. Okay, right. So, um, this five seed is a gathering of uh, OVW guys that I believe OVW or FCW guys that uh, were all paired together and brought up simultaneously. We, I think, we talked about this in a oh. previous episode. Uh huh. Um, but our five seed here is the Spirit Squad. Yes. Ooh, uh, yeah. And. Name them um, all. First of all, we've we've all. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, what, Nikki, mm-hmm. Stevie, uh, Shaney, no. Freddie, no. no, Bon Jovi. 
That's I, I Dolph didn't even have his name then, did he? Oh, he was he had his shoot name, uh Nikki. Uh you had uh Kenny. Kenny Well, Doe. yeah, Kenny Kenny was the, the second most successful one. Uh Mikey, who's Mike Mondo. Uh who's the best who's the best guy in the whole fucking thing. Uh you would like Mikey. Fuck yeah, Mikey was he was he was short and he was fucking he was wild. Mike Mondo, awesome, awesome. Like like you on your birthday at Pulev, super kicking Pikachu. uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. You just you just get that rally hat on all the time. Um, (laughs) fuck, there were two there were two other guys, right? Was it five guys? Yeah, Uh, not to be confused with the burger joint. Yeah. Um, either way but yeah they uh, were they were they were a lot of fun they the were spirit, the spirit squad was a lot of fun um i always remember them all right so it was kenny mikey johnny mitch and nikki oh mitch mitch and johnny i always forget those two uh johnny was johnny um, johnny jeter remembers them to be fair johnny Je- well these are guys that have been in ovw like since they basically like johnny jeter was in ovw like when they opened yeah. the door they had to move his body out of the way so they could <laughs> unlock and and get everybody inside. Um, and uh, he, he he actually was asking for money for a sandwich when they. When yeah, they I, d- I don't I don't remember. I don't who know who the fuck Mitch is. Mitch was no that. <laughs> but a lot of them were like Kenny Doan was like 19 years old when he got signed, and he was like the blue chipper out of the group. Yeah, he was the one that like. Yeah. Even when they split it up, they were like, all right, everybody else goes back down to Ohio. You stay on because we think we're going to do something for you. They made him Kenny Dykstra, and uh, I think he was out of the company in like 18 months after that. Yeah, but, it didn't last long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't very long. Um, and now, actually, I just I just um, watched a video where Dolph was talking about um, him coming up after the Spirit Squad, and he had been hanging around backstage. They didn't move him down, but... He wasn't on TV, really. Um, they had him win his first appearance as Dolph Ziggler mm-hmm. in a match against R-Truth where he won by countout. Great. And uh, he was like, well, yeah, that was my debut. So uh, I didn't think I was going to last very long. They gave me a name that I didn't like. I tried arguing with them, and they insisted that I keep it. He was like, so that's usually the first indication that you're going to – that you're getting, yeah, that you're- uh, you know, getting the axe. He's like, but then they call me back two weeks later, and they put me in a, a one segment match against Batista. He's, oh wow! He was like, if that's if that's not any indication that you are done, yeah. But they they apparently kept him around, and we all know what happened with uh you know with Dolph unfortunately getting yeah. released recently. Yeah. But um, it was time. The Spirit Squad, we got a lot of good stuff out of. They had a, a lot of those multi man handicap matches. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a lot. They had a lot of very innovative moves. Um. And it was it was very fun to watch them because they had to make tag moves for five guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and they like each got like there would be you know there was a signature spot that like you know Nikki would do with Kenny or uh, uh, a couple of the other guys would like would have them like and then yeah, they they all had unique spots, but yeah. they also had a five guy spot. They had yep. like three or four guy spots. Uh, and the the most I think the most iconic thing was their finisher, which uh, Kenny wound up carrying sick. with him. He would do the like uh, he would do like a a burial in the air and then turn it into a leg drop. It was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Now it was yeah that was awesome. And then the 
I think they did it a few times to Shawn Michaels where, you know, they just basically like picked, uh, picked a limb and they did like a, you know, one, two, three, oh, and like then throw them, in, the throw them yeah. 45 feet in the air and like, <laughs> you know, come down or like they would like, you know, slam them down from there. But they, um, they, the thing that sucked about it was that they were pushed so hard, so fast. It wasn't like, I mean, yeah, they were, they were like goofing around backstage, like when they first got called up and like, it's sort of like, like we said about Simon Dean, where it's like, well, they're just going to be these character guys. These are going to be the gimmick guys. But they immediately were like, no, no, like this is getting heat. Let's main event on Raw with these guys and put them with the most important guys in the company. They're they're wrestling against DX every week or they're teaming with Vince and Shane uh, and the big show. And like, you know, and so they went from zero to main event segments right away. Um, I think it could which, have had which a, a lot of times it, it hurts. It hurts them because you're getting there's nowhere to go. Success. Yeah, right. Yeah. Once, once you once you're it's going to plateau, that, once you're done with that big pop in the beginning. Like, what do you do? It's going like, to, yeah, it's going to, it, it's going to run out of any to a fucking main event picture. Exactly. Cause they were the guys, cause it was DX feuding with Vince. So mm-hmm. they're the guys that are going to go in night after night to have the matches with them because right. he obviously can't, you do that once, you know, as mm-hmm. like was, a big was, blow off. But once you are feuding with like two of the top guys in the company, there's really nowhere that you can go as a five-man tandem. I mean, I, I think they won, like, the tag belt. They did, I yeah. I yeah. don't think that – I don't know if they did, like, the free bird. They did a super, they they did a super free bird did thing. They? So it, it was, like – it was even, like, more convoluted than the original free bird rule, where the original free bird rule is before the match starts, you can pick two guys out of your three-man team that are going to be there defending. Yeah. But it, it has to be known before you start. For the Spirit Squad, what they did was they would have the two guys, you know, that would start the match, and then at some point, one guy would hop off the apron, another guy would hop on the apron, and they just sort of cycled in and out. Uh, so well, they were also they were also playing like the, like at that point, like the refs were dumb, and they're like, oh, so we're, the yeah, they're all the wearing the same they they costumes, tell any of them right? Apart. Yeah, like like. Like like Dolph and Kenny are, are are so similar looking that they could be confused the same way the yes. Bella twins are confused. Yes, yes, and they're like they're making <laughs> blind tags to to guys that hadn't been in the match, and it's it again. It, there's ways to do that. It's just you're doing that against the two top guys in the company on the babyface side. So of, you don't want to see that. They, you still have to make them look strong. So they can't outsmart the Spirit Squad for more than like half the match. Then they're going to catch on. They're going to get the referee involved, and then you're taking a fucking pedigree and a super kick, and you're done. So yeah, yeah. Um, so now, with that being said, that's our our five seed is the mm-hmm. Spirit Squad. Okay. Uh, our twelve seed did not see as much success in the WWE. Um, three men that came down to the ring riding a lawnmower. We have the twelve oh, seed Mexicans. Juan Juan Deere. Uh, lawnmowers. <laughs> um, um, I don't know if any of you guys want to uh, want to jump in and, and talk about them briefly. Ah, uh, yeah, I will because it's uh, for those uh, the uneducated uh, to the Mexicals in the listening audience. Uh, you have uh, Mexican superstars: Sicosis, uh, Juventud Guerrera, 
both men who were uh, multi-time uh, WCW champions, whether they were uh, tag champs, cruiserweight champs, television champs, you know, you name it, they won a bunch of belts over there. And uh, Super Crazy, who was uh, an ECW, was he ECW television champ? Yes. Super Crazy? Yes. I think it was a... He probably had the tag titles with Tajiri at some point, too, because they love putting those two guys together. Yeah, I together. think so. So, um, you know, three very, very talented luchadors who could go. Uh, and then it's like... Uh, and they they did not start on the lawnmowers right away. Um, they were in their regular gear. And, like, Hoovy won, like, the, the Cruiserweight title, like, fast. They were like, we know what we got with Hoovy. Hoovy's, Hoovy's going to get a belt. But then they just sort of like ran out of ideas. And then it was like, well, you know, we're going to basically make the joke of their landscapers. And they put them in jumpsuits and they all had to wrestle in the fucking jumpsuits. Um, which is great when you put a, a luchador in restrictive clothing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> uh, generic... Uh, you know, uh, Mexican music and, uh, and the Wandeers. And yeah, I think who quit first? Psychosis quit I believe, first. I believe it was psychosis. Yeah. Psychosis I'm was surprised like, it wasn't Hoovy. Yeah. I, they <laughs> might've been almost simultaneous, like fuck off. We're not doing this. Like, uh, you know, we were making money in, in, you know, triple a for a little while. Like why are you doing this to us? Super crazy lasted well, there for a long the, time after the, it though. That's what I, I think. Super crazy was the one that stayed longer than anybody sure else. Sure did. Um, because yeah. you couldn't, and I, you, they had to be a tandem. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. they had to be a group. Mm -hmm. So he was like, all right, well, they couldn't take it, but they're not going to send me out on a lawnmower by myself. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, also, I think I think for for Super Crazy, he realized at the time when like when uh, when he when when the other two left that like there there was still a market for Lucha, uh, and that he could take advantage of that oh, by yeah. being the only yeah. one left. Yeah, uh, and he wasn't bad either. You know what I mean? Like not by any means. Um, my question to you guys is: Do you think that? Um, do you think that because of them uh, leaving AAA and going to um, the WWE that they that they left something on the table because they were all pretty talented guys in AAA. They like they could have been probably way bigger names in AAA than they were in WWE. Oh, they always were. Yeah, yeah. And I think Psychosis is still wrestling in AAA. Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I think think of the inverse of that. So if they had brought them in and they had continued to treat them well and not necessarily even had them as a as like a faction or a or a group on tv they were just like here's a, an influx of mexican talent that are going to work with because ray mysterio at that time was elevated to main events right he's the heavyweight yeah. champion um how is it you know as you're getting ray over at that heavyweight championship here you have two even if it's going to be short-term runs like immediately you have two of his rogues gallery from the past that you can say like now that Ray's the champion here they are coming out of the woodwork the guys that have beaten Ramus and show them on TV beating Ray Mysterio in WCW and in ECW um where you could have had psychosis you're not going to let him cut a promo but 
if you're going to give them anything, like give them a manager that's going to, you know, come in and hype them up and basically say like, these are two guys that have beaten you in the past and make Ray really work for it. Nah, instead he's going to have like a million matches with guys that are Mike Mark fucking Henry size and they're going to beat the shit out of Ray and he's going to get fucking whoopsie doopsie pinfalls <laughs> instead of like he like really give Ray like, you know, some meat on the bone to get him over and to put on exciting fucking matches. Then have your main event guys ready, your Randy Orton's and your angles like ready to, you know push Ray into the into the main events and stuff like that. So um it's a lost opportunity. WWE really didn't know what the fuck they were doing with with uh with those guys. They just recognized like, all right, well, it's probably pretty cheap to bring in Psychosis and Hoovy uh and uh and super crazy and let's just, you know let's just fuck them in the mid card. Well the unfortunate thing is WWE has a running history of messing up uh, very talented luchadors, uh, even even mm-hmm. as recently as like the last five years, because uh, they they did have Lindsay Dorado, Grand Metal Week, and uh, there was one more in that group, right? The Lucha House Party. Uh, Kalisto. Oh, Kalisto, yeah. and they they released all three of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, actually, shout outs real quick to. Uh, Metal Week and um, and Lindsay Dorado, they're, they're both with AEW now, I believe. Yeah, well, but I mean, if you uh, think, if you just look say, at that, we'd say he's making his debut um, Saturday. He, no, he wrestled. Uh, he wrestled last week, two weeks. So ago. So it was last Saturday. Yeah, yeah. But, but if you look at the, just the, the history of, uh, I guess you would say the Luchadors, Rey Mysterio is the only one that has ever had any prominence in WWE. They just like that is not their yeah their forte. Like every time they've had a cruiserweight, junior heavyweight, mm-hmm. light heavyweight title, it's been pushed so far down the card that it pretty much goes away within a year or two. They had Ultimo Dragon. Oh, yeah. Ultimo Dragon was there for six months or eight months, yeah. whatever it was. Nothing. And they didn't do fucking shit with them. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a lot of it is because there, if we're going to be honest, they're. The in-ring work isn't valued to the as, right as much as the entertainment aspect as yeah. the entertain. And when you have guys who, uh, you know, uh, don't have the most firm grasp on the language and can't mm-hmm. talk, that's never gonna. They're they're never going to. There there have been few and far between. They're uh, gonna have a cement block around that, their legs. Is, is yeah, but I mean, yeah. the only guy that I can think of off the top of my head that they've consistently given a push to for any length of time is uh, Nakamura. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even then they, they did him dirty too. I mean, they continuously do him dirty, but at the same time, like he's, he's undeniable. at least had like a 10, a, te- yeah. a 10 year run. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. That's fair. But I wouldn't see, um, I don't like, I don't see him in the, like he, it's more of like, we don't know how to handle foreigners uh, or yeah. anybody well, that has yeah, a, it, with with the inability to cut promos and stuff, you know that's that's kind of the the handicap that that comes along with that. Yeah, it, I think in the, that environment because they don't they like, don't cater to what, it. Yeah, look at look at what AEW is doing with Takeshita. Mm-hmm. They have Don Callis cutting. They don't have him speak ever. Yeah, yeah. It's, Silent assassin. It's it's perfect. Yeah, they they're yeah. catering. Right, and also strengths. now they, he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to, but it makes more sense to let him do it. You know, it's a good Perfect. point. 
It's a good point. Also, God, with that, all right, so with that I think we've said, gotten guys, very yeah, I think far, we, yeah, I think we, very far off track. Yeah, we're way off the rails. We were trying to yeah. introduce the Mexicals into the situation, but all right, so you've got also, some yeah, extremely racist. So we racist. do, we do have yes. to make a vote. Um, uh, yeah, well, let's not breeze past that. Yeah, yeah, let's not, let's just not mow over that one. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, of course. I was waiting to do that one. All right. So, unfortunately, we're, we're voting on the gimmick itself and not the uh, not the wrestlers that yes. are involved in the gimmick. Yes. Um, if that was the case, then Mexico's win a million times. But I'm taking the Spirit Squad based on yeah, how well no, they yeah, did. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think we're all in. That, that's a across-the-board agreeance that uh, the Spirit Squad gets through to, uh, to the next round, for sure. Now, um, our four thirteen matchup is mm-hmm. a matchup of two former WCW guys. Um, one got, uh, came over and got immediate success, uh, mm-hmm. and the other one didn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we have the uh, King of the Ring winner and uh, Br- British accent donning oh, King Booker. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> This spans two companies too. Yeah, because uh, oh King Booker went to, well, kind of like went to uh, to well, he went TNA. To TNA and started using that goddamn British accent. Oh. Well, but by the way, can I tell you? Yeah, shit. He's he, um, here's 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 an interesting Black thing Snow. that I that I this is gonna be a tough I, one to beat. Found yeah. out because I I I watched a couple of, I watched a couple of segments from when Booker moved over to TNA. That was not a British accent. That was an African accent. It kind of was, yeah. But it's it was still no, no, no. It kind of wasn't. It was. It was it okay. Wasn't kind well, of. But it was also in like the regal sense. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, so basically, King Booker wins the Royal Rumble. He decides that he's actual royalty, and wants to run with the uh, with the King Booker uh, moniker. Um, uh, all hail King Booker. And Queen Charmel. Oh my God! It got her into the Hall of Fame, by the way. Yeah. For she's, what reason? I couldn't. She's tell you. in their Hall of Fame because she was like, "Oh hell, King Booker!" I, dude, I remember <sighs> going to like a SmackDown mm. and at like r- right peak of this time, and it was the most because it was the entire way to the ring. Yeah, yeah. I think they weren't even like. <laughs> I, I don't even think that they were televising the entrance. <sighs> So it was just the whole time, all hell, King, for like 15 straight minutes, like through a commercial break. Oh, my God. I remember like, fuck this guy. I was. Yeah. Oh, boy. It was so good. He was so was good. So good. He was really good. Uh, and listen, I think had it not been for them deciding to run with him as the King of the Ring winner, um, I really do think that he would have fizzed out very quickly. Uh, he wound up fizzing out anyway, and like we said, leaving to go to TNA. Yeah. But the longevity of Booker in in WWE is due in large part to the fact that he was able to develop this moniker and uh, oh yeah. yeah, and and build a character. Uh, and and we see so many people recycle and use it now after the fact. Yeah. Um, it's an like easy. King Corbin. Yeah. Nobody. There was. I mean, there's there's a million guys to do, but nobody did it as good as. As uh, as Booker T. All right. By the way, like while we're in the middle of this, uh, jotting down an idea for a future episode, uh, we're gonna we're gonna rank the best uh, kings oh. in wrestling <laughs> history, right? Like we have yes. to, yes, we have to, because there, there's are... only there's there's only one clear cut winner, and it is King Mabel. 
No, it's not. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, uh, well, okay. Now, sidebar real quick. I know we've gotten into a few, but I did also mm-hmm. read something very interesting. Uh, it does tie into the gimmick world. Um, mm-hmm. So at the time when the um, the corporate ministry was, uh, was running. Oh, boy. Here we go. Um, what? When does this have to do with Booker no, T? Uh, the... It has nothing to do with Booker T. Okay. Uh, the under the Undertaker uh, insisted that um, Mabel, and now Viscera, yeah, be inserted into the Ministry of Darkness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know why? So he didn't have to wrestle him. That's exactly why. Yeah. Because he, <laughs> remember he dropped that he leg and like wrestle, smashed he didn't his face. Him anymore. He yeah. broke. He, he fractured his orbital bone yeah. wrestling. Yeah. So he made him part of the <laughs> Ministry of Darkness, so he didn't have to wrestle him anymore. That's great. What? Because he knew. He knew. He was like, "There's only so many big guys out there. I can't squash this guy four times a week." Carney as fuck. And that Undertaker. Getting my face broken. <laughs> Fucking mean Mark um, goes right, so, into business for himself. I all right. Just, I, I, Good sidebar. I keep doing these weird deep dives, <laughs> and I have to jump in. But let's jump back into King Booker. All right. So who's um, who's King Booker going up against here? We have King Booker going against uh, a man who. Got a late jump to his wrestling career later later in his life. Um, pretty successful, but mm-hmm. the gimmick that they threw to him um, was just it. It was goddamn weird, man. Um, I at, at the at the thirteen seed, I have Stalker DDP. Hmm. No, oh, this was just not good. It wasn't good because it wasn't his personality. Um, ah, shit. Well, I think I think what was worse was the gimmick they gave him before this. Like that's not a good, that's not a bad thing. No, they did that that's after. That was after. That was oh, after. Yeah. Motivational DDP was after. This is I how they debuted him. This was yeah. This was his it introduction. Was fucking insane. Yeah, you have a five-time WCW Literally, heavyweight champ. If if you're talking about coming off of the people that they got in in through. The invasion mm-hmm. angle, you know, from WCW, all of their hottest baby faces were gone. Yes. So DDP is number one. Yeah, of oh, what, yeah, of what have, was left, of, what, of who yeah. came over. Yeah. yeah. Well, because yeah. it's one hundred percent him. You didn't and... get any. You didn't get any of the top baby faces and guys like Rey Mysterio. Like Rey Mysterio didn't debut until like two thousand four or five, right? Two thousand three. 2002. Really? 2002. Well, so, yeah, so it was still, a year it was afterwards. Three, yeah. It was a it year was after, after the yeah, like a year or two after, yeah. Um, <sighs> but now with that being said, we did we did see the emergence of Michelle McCool through this storyline. No, you didn't. This, this was the other wasn't this was the oh, other that was the other it was the other wife? Yeah, that was, it was the, his uh, first wife. It was the Sarah, ugly well, the one that he had the tattoo of. Technically second wife. This is the one that he got the throat oh. tattoo and she was yeah. very ugly. I don't mean to, 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 to bring that up, but that should be pointed out that she was a very ugly woman. Okay. And Dallas Page, oh, right, yeah. Dallas fucking Page was still married to Kimberly at this time. Kimberly Page was still his wife. Kimberly Page from um, Playboy and from the Nitro Girls. Uh, Hot ass Kimberly Page. So this is why it made no sense. And it was a dumb gimmick because it should have been the other way around. The Undertaker should have been like, Oh, Dallas Page is coming to our company. That means Kimberly's going to come to our company. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to get my hands on her. Where's the Ministry of Darkness now? And they could have had Kimberly Page tied to a, a, a symbol 
Undertaker <laughs> symbol, not a cross, but an Undertaker symbol. And uh, and you could have done TX, something. The, the TX symbol. Fucking <laughs> shit, though. Like this Dallas Page thing. He had like it was, it was a shrine brutal, to her. Man. It was awful. It was brutal. Awful. But the, again, um, the, the, the whole thing is it's Vince, Vince is going to bury the other companies. Mm-hmm. So you have to he, have he him had come to do in it. as a he, heel. You have to have he him come not, in as a heel, he but it just doesn't yeah. work. It didn't him work. Him as a he heel doesn't work. No. Vince couldn't help himself. He had to do it. When Paige um, was a think, heel originally in WCW, he was floundering. Yeah. Because right. it, just, he, he it was him, so – it didn't work. DDP. So he got over because the diamond cutter was over and because he was the – I hate to say it. Before The Rock was the people's champ – Dallas was the people's champ because he got the diamond cutter over hard and he would do the thing where, you know, he was wrestling the NWO guys and he would get the jump on the NWO guys. And instead of taking the beating that every other baby face did, Dallas ran up into the crowd and did the, the fucking hand signal in the crowd. He was he was the people's champ. He can't be the people's champ if Rocky's in the same company as the people's champ. Um, although you certainly really could have given that a fucking whack uh, and tried that. But um, when you're making him a stalker because you can't think of anything else to do with a guy who's kind of like a, like he's an easy character to write for, even if you were going to make him a heel, bring him in as original, was, like Dallas so Page from to- the Jersey Shore. Like, oh, hey, like he's easy. But they, why wouldn't they you have up. started – the whole angle, if if instead of Lance Storm showing up, you know, and uh, being the first guy you see in the invasion angle, if DDP came out of the crowd and fucking hit somebody with a diamond cutter, mm-hmm. that would have been it. Would have changed the entire dynamic of the invasion. Yeah, but in, instead you have uh, you have gimmickless fucking Lance Storm. <laughs> um. All right. So I think it's a no brainer here. We're going King Booker, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a couple that we could kind of fly through here. Um, not that they, they're not meaningful, but um, I just think that for time, it's probably easier just to graze through them because some of the matchups later are going to be a little bit more important. So um, the 611, we have uh, um, our, our, our good buddy, um, Mr. On the Spectrum Eugene. Who uh who lasted way longer than I'd probably anybody expected him to, because he got so over with the crowd it was crazy man. Eugene Mania, yeah, yeah. Um, he, pairing th- him and pairing him with with Regal was was gold. Yeah, like. absolutely, absolutely. Adversaries at first, and then their best buds and tag team champions together. And like having having him like fanboy out with like with everybody that he was wrestling against and like doing their moves against mm-hmm. him, against them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, was it was comedic it was comedic genius. I just uh, it kind of sucks that they had to poke fun at autism to get there. Yeah. Well, listen, it's if you put it in a time capsule of 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 the time stuff like it you can kind of get away with the with the conceit of, you know, uh, yeah. Now it looks like it's insensitive, but then they portrayed him as as a pretty big like, um, that's true, a pretty big baby face and a pretty big like, you know, here's an attachment to like a you know a 
you know, even though like he has these special needs and he seems like he's a little bit off, he's still a fan of the WWF and he still figured out how to wrestle really, really good. So right, if he you, like he if studied tape and like and, and watched every wrestler and he's yeah. able to like take the best bits from every wrestler and like yeah. put it together because he had this disability. He's so that and that's the other side of it is that you know as much as you want to say like I almost think that it it not that they would do it nowadays unless somebody really no. like had that affliction, but mm-hmm. it's you know it kind of like ties into what they teach you are the, the finer points of autism and, and, you know, Asperger's and all that, like where they're hyper focused on the thing that they love the most. There's, there's absolutely a few wrestlers. Uh, we might even know one that, that is for sure on the spectrum. Okay. Um, Kenny Omega. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, Eugene is the six, he's going up against the eleven. This is one that um, I, I kind of wasn't too in touch with. I didn't really see much of it mm-hmm. uh, aside from going back and like kind of grazing over it. Um, Matt Hardy version one. Oh, you're going to tell me you didn't see a lot of Matt Hardy version one. Come on. You're like, the, you're the biggest like Hardy boys apologist you, that like, I've ever that met. I, this is, this is a point when I checked out. Uh, I know that he doesn't like, I know that he doesn't like mustard. So I, I did like. Because, I, I thought it was only really because funny. when he was when he was coming yes. out of the, I, he was coming out in a Royal Rumble or something like that, and and his little sidebar thing, Matt Hardy doesn't like mustard. Well, that was so. That's the <laughs> that was the best part about the gimmick was that they really incorporated those graphics. You had, and it was what was it? They were called Matt. Facts, they were Matt like, facts. Yeah. Every week there was at least one or two Matt facts. Um, you know, and most of it tied into the kayfabe where it's like, oh, Matt Hardy is two and zero versus uh, uh, Devon in singles action, uh, or you know, Matt uh, ran four and a half miles this morning as part of his cardio routine and stuff like that. And then it would be something goofy like, um, Matt is his grandmother's favorite wrestler much more than his brother Jeff or, you know, something that was a little bit Matt, more Matt like Hardy has never been Matt Hardy has never been to Davenport, Iowa. Yeah. Like tongue in cheek <laughs> shit that was like, but it wasn't just that it was the, um, he was the delusional, like, uh, you have to follow the, the, the matitudes and, um, sort of like a prototypical, like, like a motivational speaker or like, a you know, cult leader or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, See, I took it as more of like a douchey kind of like I'm better than you character. Well, he had uh his he was the sensei of Mattitude with uh stupid Shannon Moore, Shannon Moore Shannon as his Moore. underling, yeah. yeah. Um so like that's that's what I'm saying. Like it it was more of like a you just follow my lead kid and you know, you're going to and if you you know, uh follow the rules of Mattitude, you're going to be a main event guy soon too and um this was the one the one specific thing i remember from this is um shannon moore like using his like laying laying back flat on the mat outside of the ring and using his feet to keep matt hardy in the royal rumble of course yeah yeah good shit Uh, but that that also kind of further projected what i was saying was where he was kind of that chicken shit heel Mm -hmm. Uh, like where he would be he would act very pretentious and like he was the best wrestler on the planet but he would Mm -hmm. need help like that to get by God, he also had so he was cruiserweight champ. Yeah. 
at this time too. And he did the gimmick was that you had to be under 230 pounds. And he, as the chicken shit heel, he would do the weigh in and, and he would be like 232 or something like that. And like he would have a couple segments like where he's trying to sweat off the last two pounds. <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, I couldn't do it. I have to like, you know, we can't have a title match tonight. We could just have a regular match. And then he would have a regular match with somebody and get like rolled up for and take a non-title loss. And then it would be like, well, you, you know, we got to do the weigh in next time, you know, next time I'll put the title on the line, but we got to do the weigh in first. And it was a way of like kind of cementing the, uh, the whole Matitude stuff, but also like to show that he was uh, kind of like tried to be on another level than his opponent. Very creative. Um, and I did like it, but like I said, I was a little bit more out of, out of the, out of the wrestling uh, okay. at that point. Mean, um, meanwhile, the, like but also the, the only, <laughs> the only bigger disrespect to the cruiserweight title, in my opinion, was when they weighed gold dust uh, in, um, uh, the 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 measurement of weight used to measure gold. Okay. <laughs> so he was technically weighed less than two hundred five. So he and, was, and he was to able wrestle to wrestle for the Enzo for the cruiserweight championship. There's much more disrespectful things about that cruiserweight title. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, all all of it, all of it in general. But so um, here, my vote's going for Eugene on this one. So um, so here's just one last thing. Uh, I don't Matt. I don't know if you did listen to the last episode where we were talking about the. <laughs> The modern gimmicks. We kind of buried you because uh, you were such a big fan of the broken Matt Hardy uh, oh my, I, version. I was. God such, damn it. Yeah. So that's why I'm surprised. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why I'm surprised. You don't you're like, want to listen to that if you haven't yeah, already. Yeah. We, I think I'm going to skip that one, boys. We killed that one. Um, but yeah, the I would say that... Eugene goes through. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if I'm going to say what I uh, enjoyed more, it would definitely be Matt Hardy. But if we're talking about pure uh gimmicks and what what ha- what uh lasted the test of time i guess it's eugene i think i think matt hardy version one is what broke him <laughs> well listen um, no getting fired uh, yeah, listen, wait, let, me, let me just goddamn myself real quick okay because at the time with the broken matt hardy shit yes i am i am a uh, a hardy boy defender mm-hmm. um I do love the Hardy Boys. I do think they are one of the best tag teams of all time. With that being said, when I first, when I started getting back into wrestling, uh, I, I went on deep dives with like NXT, and, uh, I, and that's when I met Mike and uh, and Justin and all of our buddies. Mm-hmm. And we, I really started diving deeper into the independent scene, um, okay. and then started watching TNA on on I think it was on Axis TV at the time. No, nope. so that was my exposure. Nope. Like Destination TNA America, was, but that's okay. I, I think I watched it on repeat on access. Okay. Right. But uh, okay. regardless, sure. like I, sure. I thought, I thought it was mm-hmm. so cool to mm-hmm. not watch WWE that like, yeah. that I bought in so hard on on shit like that. You fell in love with the guy yep. shooting fireworks in a backyard. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. also think yeah. it was hysterical. I thought it was piss funny. Mm. Defend having poor taste. That's fine. the less the less said the better. Okay, okay. Let's, <laughs> let's let's move along. <laughs> No, maybe, we won't move on. No, I'm kidding. Maybe I'm kidding. the uh, <laughs> maybe the 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 father-in-law who's the landscaper. Maybe he can uh, bring you a shovel to help uh, dig yourself out of this one. You know what? Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> All right. 
Eugene moves on. Eugene moves on. Yes. yes. Yeah. I can't believe that's how I ended an argument. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have the three fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another no brainer. The three is uh, what really molded John Cena into uh, into a solidified superstar, and that is Chain Gang John Cena. Between between coming out with the the different jersey for every town town that he was in, to the freestyles. Um, yeah, you know the the yeah. in, the the, uh, the the innovation with the fu and the five knuckle shuffle you saw from that point, um, and, and and being the the every every uh, urban white boy's dream of uh, cursing off your boss and like you know really sticking it to the man, um, he he did so much and like really like this was the start of it uh, of what we know as like the Cena mania like like real buy-in to who Cena eventually became after that. Like, you don't get this, uh, the, the reiteration of John Cena that we all know without this happening. What's funny about it is, um, this is Doctor of Thugonomics, uh, yes. John Cena. Yes. But again, it started off as a heel where he's like ragging on the hometown fans and he would wear like their rival's jersey and, and, and shit like that to get heat. Problem was he's wearing beautiful fucking Mitchell and Ness like yeah, throwback yeah. Yeah, jerseys I mean, they, that are, they were all so good dude. that like the sports fan in, in in all of us are like oh shit I can't boo against this guy look at that beautiful like Mike Schmidt he, Philadelphia he Phillies it, jersey he that he's wearing it, in Madison Square Garden he made it like he made it cool to start like to wear jerseys again like you know yeah and I'm actually shit I'm yeah. digging I'm digging through to see if I could find one of mine never mind that's okay. besides the point but, um. But uh, yeah, I mean, like for him to go from where he was to like basically almost on his way out of the door in the company. And I know there's a story that 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 circulates all the time where he's on the bus freestyling with like Rikishi and the boys mm-hmm. in the back. And yeah. Stephanie McMahon's like, how long did it take you to write that? Like, it sounds so stereotypical, oh, yeah, she's... but it has to be like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's like jazzed up a little bit, like, you know, but um. So like to get that rejuvenation because you were just you know hanging in the back of the literally like like you're coming home from a varsity basketball game with the boys and yeah uh, you know um, to to eventually be where he is now and like to be a multi million dollar superstar and doing movies and commercials and to be the voice of pistachios like, it's pretty, it's, it's, <laughs> that bowl movie that pretty, he did which was great yeah <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty crazy it's like. Um, and and it was such a such a good gimmick for that time. Like, oh, for the time like, it was I, perfect, I, absolutely dude, perfect. Because at that time, at that time, I like me and my friends were wearing like the the college football hats and like uh-huh. camo camo like uh, like zip up tank tops to school and shit. We we thought we were something, and it was like every kid in America wanted like like acted like that. Maybe not Tommy, but. No, I, I had a backyard wrestling character that was a complete ripoff of that era of John Cena. His name was B, his name was B Thuggin. B Th- oh shit! Oh Fuck. my god! I is there a fucking video of this? Because I would oh, yeah yeah there is. I have to get it converted to DVD. It's on VHS. I have a VHS player. Have to get it. Yeah, have to get it converted to DVD and have to dig out a DVD player. 
Come on. Mike podcast episode idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's yeah, let's break down uh Tommy's backyard we're gonna, career. We're, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna yeah, we're gonna There's a few people in there you may recognize. Let's do a wrestler <laughs> rehab on Beef Thuggin. I, I know uh I know very uh, actually Tommy, did you ever do any of the uh UBWO stuff with like no, uh, I, I, Hernandez I, I, and all those guys? That was a little too late for me. Yeah, I know. Uh, I stopped Joey, by that point. Joey had Joey had like one or two matches with those guys. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I think I think he's I think he started actually wrestling at that point. But, yeah, uh, he's, he he was. Out, he was, a perf- the, he was uh, technically UBWO a professional boys. wrestler. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the UBWO boys for the uh, for, for the nostalgia. Um, so the number three seed, um, Master Thugonomics John Cena, mm-hmm. is going against a very untalkable guy. Uh, we could probably spend about thirty seconds on him. The 14 seed is uh, who we knew as Chavo Guerrero, who inevitably Ugh, uh, they whitewashed yeah, into trash. being Herman White. Literally whitewashed him. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, so basically, they they made him a uh, white white American man. Uh, they gave him a caddy who was Dolph Ziggler, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, and and they, he came out in a golf cart. He had his golf clubs in the back, and he wore like a sweater vest. It was like if the Mean Street Posse grew up. Right. It was it was not good. It was very very ill uh, ill mannered. It didn't last very long, uh, but you can't you can't not mention this gimmick if we're talking about the two thousand. No, the two this is this had two thousand stink all over it. And uh, here we go in defense of a golfer gimmick. By the way, uh, here's here's the good parts of Kerwin White. Uh, the skits that he did where uh, Dolph is his caddy. Uh, and he's taking shots and he's kind of missing the shots and he's kind of like, all right, well, you know what I'm doing and, and, and all that stuff. And he's kind of whistling on the golf course. And then he came to the ring in the golf cart. If there was anybody doing this right now in the modern times and I caught wind of it on TV, not the, the kind of I'm a Mexican man who turned white, but if there was a golfer gimmick right now, he would be my favorite wrestler in the world. <laughs> what? That's because I love you're, golf. You're like, making I'm, fun I'm, of me for liking Broken Matt Hardy, and I would that your favorite. I would love a golf Jesus. gimmick. I would love a golfer <laughs> gimmick right now. I'm just oh. saying. I'm just All saying right, that, Mike. Like, real quick, real quick, Mike. What would his finish should be called? Um, the the long drive, the the. The long God drive, it, like the hole me. in one. Yeah, no, it's got to be the hole in you one. Start, you're starting to um, get me the eagle. It would be the eagle, or it would be the you know, the major. Oh, here comes oh, this, here the comes set up the par four. Yeah. Oh shit, man. Oh, uh, he's going for the masters. Uh, and like he'd have to have like, Stop. oh, Mike. Yeah, Mike, I can't do it. We can't. We can't do it. I. I it's, it's terrible. There's so many ways to go with it, but it, but awful. for Chavo, there, there is, and and most of those ways are down. For for great worker and uh and solid hand, Chavo Guerrero to be stuck with this. In 2005, was absolutely embarrassing. You might as well have just released them, but I understand like they had a lot of like they had a lot invested in Eddie at that point, and Eddie was a, a top guy before he passed away. Um, was this before or after? This was before. This was okay. right before because he did this Kerwin White thing for like four or five months. Eddie passes away, and then they were like, and then they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, have, you get to be Chavo again. We'll give you they three weeks off from TV. You don't have to dye your hair blonde anymore. 
and you can be regular Chavo again. We're very sorry. We're very sorry. Um, and Chavo, Chavo, I didn't want to do it. Michael Hayes came up with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, but yeah, Kerwin White was just ill informed. It was they were trying to push buttons <laughs> with that. Ill informed means they did research. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, so listen. Needless to say, we are we're pushing uh, we're pushing Thugonomics Cena through. What I thought um, we we're all on board. We're Carmen White, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, Tommy, is it? Oh, is it I miss this so much, guys. Like a, really like an think. upset. Could we have an upset with Kerwin White? No, I no. can't. Like that's so <laughs> no. racist. I can't. <laughs> uh, there may be an upset here. Um, so okay. we're gonna move to the seven ten matchup in the seven. Uh, there's just nothing really. It's the boogeyman. I, I don't really know. You can't really explain oh, watch what, out. The it's boogeyman the boogeyman. Is what he did. He's coming he to get you. He's coming carried, to get you. He carried an alarm clock down to the ring. He spit worms out. Uh, like, he was 46 he, yeah, when he had his debut match. Man, <laughs> they brought in a 46-year-old <laughs> man that, to go to have a, 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 a match with fucking JBL. He's probably still doing this on the indies. And that, he that absolutely staff. Is. That staff yeah. that he used to come down to the ring with, he actually needs that to get to the and ring. And that now. was right. That's his new walking stick. But like we talked about Papa Shango in the uh in the the nineties, that like Papa Shango could have been like oh they could have had a longer run with Papa Shango and it really would have been like, you know, you there's a million ways you could have like gone with that and it could have gone over. They did so much with Boogeyman in the first six months where it was like Get this guy so far away from that television. He was in every fucking segment. Yeah. And here's another guy who like they so they put him in with like um Top Guys. Top guys. So he's King Booker and Charmel. He's chasing them around oh with worms. God, yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's with JBL and it's like there was no earn your spot there. It was like Let's just shove this guy down everybody's throat, and it's like here's the wacky character with the voodoo and the the clock over the head, and and it's like, oh my god, what's the boogeyman going to do this week? He's going to have a thirty second match because he does the fucking worms, and he really couldn't. I guess he could move around a little bit, but he wasn't really like a good worker. Where they just horrible. like they have all of this like smoke and mirrors <laughs> literally around them. 80% of his match was him like crawling across the ring and like standing on his head yeah. and fucking spitting shit out of his mouth. Yeah. It it was it was never good in my opinion. Um I think it's fun to bring him back and get that nostalgia from the 2000s and like have him come out and like scare, you know, somebody from the women's division or the segments or if you do the segments, just put like him you in put the him ring. In, put him in the back That's... with Otis and fucking Gable like to just do that. Oh, I don't know. Um now, goddamn the boogeyman! I, I, I don't think I've ever been happier to bring up a gimmick so we could get away from the boogeyman. Um, but the ten seed is uh, is what happens when you push a gimmick on a guy with a concussion. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Because we have Saturn and Moppy at the ten seed. Oh, fuck, man! Yeah. How do you put these two together? Together. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so basically what happens is Saturn, Saturn's gimmick is that he's had too many concussions and he has permanent brain damage um, and he goes Hilarious. off the rails and it was, it was so good. <laughs> it was so goddamn good. Um, and then uh, he adopts uh, a, a mop with a face on it that he calls Moppy. Uh, and then little by little, you start seeing a uh, love triangle form between him, Terry and Moppy. Yeah. 
And we had, then we get the whole, um, where is Moppy campaign? Uh, oh, because Raven Moppy, kidnapped Moppy on the, yeah, and the Moppy on the uh, Moppy on the milk cartons, and you know, the Saturn breaking up with Terry and choosing Moppy over Terry, like it it was, yeah. like that that to me, man, it was so funny. I really really enjoyed it. It just sucks that oh boy, you know, Perry Saturn did have brain damage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it all right. So there's there's two moments with Moppy uh, that. Uh, well, mm, they had some pretty funny backstage segments where he would like spout oh, off yeah. like non sequitur shit and uh, <laughs> like just stuff that didn't make any sense. And then he's like, <laughs> "You're welcome," and it's like, "You're welcome." And then super hot Terry Runnels is like, "You know, look at me. Like, I have gigantic boobs, and I can just we can go <laughs> backstage and fuck. But you want to fuck a mop? Great." Deuces. Uh, she's like, dude. The, the one thing, the one thing is like, uh, he was like, I need to find Moppy, and she's like, you're really still looking for that mop? Yeah. You have me. She's look, like, yeah. She's like, you look at this. He's like, and then I think he found the mop, and she's like, she's like, it's either me or the mop, and he goes, uh, he, he picks the mop, and she's like, are you seriously gonna pick him? Yeah. You're really gonna pick that mop? She's like, well, then you're missing out on all of this, right? And right. He exactly. Just goes, and he just goes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and she like and she just storms off. I think she wound up uh joining Raven for a little bit. After oh yeah, that. so that that leads to the second best part about the Moppy character was when Raven kidnapped Moppy and then and threw it into the fucking in wood, the wood chipper. chipper and it wouldn't go into the wood chipper. So you have Raven <laughs> doing like that sort of like Mr. Bill oh. voice like oh no he's, like, he's, he's pretending like, yeah, to be he's Moppy like acting like it's Moppy off off mic. And it's yeah, <laughs> oh, no, oh no, it just hurts me. And also, like the mop isn't going through the chipper, so he's like shoving it almost to a point where he loses his hand because uh, he had to shove the the, the stick in so far. Because <laughs> the, the stick was too small to catch in the wood chipper, and he had so to he ba- he like yeah. he came like three or four inches away from losing, and his he had to like hand. commit to doing the oh no hilarious Raven <laughs> Raven so one of good. Raven's great bits of all time, one of one of Raven's finest moments. It was genuinely funny. Um, and that was like towards the end of the Attitude Era where they they were kind of still a little off the rails before they really dialed oh, it wow. back yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. So wait, that, that's um, our matchup? Be, yeah, it's uh, Boogeyman versus Saturn and Moppy. Um, I, I know where I'm <sighs> voting, guys. I think the Boogeyman has to win. I'm going Saturn and Moppy. Oh man! This I, is the oh. first one we're throwing it. We're throwing it to yeah, uh, Tommy. To gimmick, get, well, out of all people, gimmickless Tommy Schultz has to yeah, take on the on the better gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> um. Wow. This is this is a really tough one. I have. Did to you go. ever think that you would have to make a tough decision between the Boogeyman and Saturn and Moppy? <laughs> if we would have asked you fifteen mm. years ago, yeah. <laughs> eight months ago, like, hey, you want to be on this podcast? Uh, eventually, you're gonna have to decide between the boogeyman and and Moppy. Okay, so here's here's what I'm thinking. Can once we, you said get, the boogeyman, boogeyman v Moppy shirts made up. Yeah. Once you said the boogeyman, I was like, okay, well the boogeyman goes through. Mm. Um, but then you pair him with Moppy. As much as I love Perry Saturn, I gotta go boogeyman. All right, boogeyman. Goes, uh, boogeyman you goes through. Are, you know I. You know what's sad is I already wrote down Saturday Moppy because I thought you guys were going to be on the same page as me. Just when you think you've got all the answers, we change the questions or something <laughs> along those lines. Uh, it would have been great to throw uh, mathematics uh, 
um, Steiner into there. Yeah, that was just one time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that whole character of him back then was just so goddamn ridiculous. Yeah. All right, uh, and you had um, you had what's his name, the Canadian destroyer, with him too at that point, right? Uh, yeah. oh, little Petey Pop, Petey. little Petey Pop yeah. was a great gimmick where he's Tiny Steiner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, the final matchup in the first round mm-hmm. is uh, it's one that's been long awaited. I don't know if you guys remember who this last matchup is. No, no. go ahead. It's uh, the two fifteen, mm-hmm. uh, the Italian stallion himself, Santino. Okay. okay. Forgot. <laughs> yeah, you guys know where this is going. <laughs> yes. Uh, so now I know. So Santino, Santino was introduced to us through an open challenge um, for Bobby Lashley's Inter- Intercontinental Championship, right? Yes, it was. It was. And no, it wasn't it, Bobby well, Lashley. It was Umaga, I think. No, it was Bobby Lashley for sure. Oh, we're gonna all fight. Right, right. We're gonna fight. Google machine. Keep talking. Keep talking, though. Keep. Um, I'll look this up. So. Uh, basically, uh, what's, what was the guy's name? Uh, Estrada? Juan Estrada? Uh, he plus Armando, Armando Alejandro Estrada. Estrada. Yes. Yeah. So he, he basically says that they're accepting an open challenge, but nobody in the, in the locker room is worthy enough of a, a title shot. So he, they pick a random, uh, person out of the crowd and it winds up being Santino and he winds mm-hmm. up getting over in the match. Oh, it was against Umaga, but Bobby Lashley helped him win the Yes. Bob, Bobby Lashley helped him win the, the uh Intercontinental Championship. Right. right. You're there we go. And so they were in Milan to, they were in Milan, Italy. So he was the They were in Italy. The Milan Santino happens to be Italian, yes. Um so yes. that was our first introduction to Santino. Um but then they obviously uh you know we all know that that was a stage thing and that he, he already had a contract, but the, the storyline was that they gave him a contract because he was the Intercontinental Champion. We have to. And then inevitably what we got out of this was one of one of my favorite comedic wrestlers. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Very funny. Of the last, of the last couple of years. Um, between the Cobra and the, the power walk to the ring mm-hmm. and then all of the stuff that he had with Beth Phoenix. The honky, uh, the honky tonky man. He's going to be the longest reigning <laughs> Intercontinental honky, man. Put off the honky meter. Um, I mean, it was it was pure gold, and then the unibrow, uh, like it yeah. was great. Um, we got we got the the really the really awesome segment in the Royal Rumble with uh, the sock versus the snake. Yes, yes, him and um, Cactus. Eventually, yes, they had their. So I mean, you have all that, um, which brings me to the fifteen seed. Cobra. Uh, because you can't talk about Santino without out talking about the fifteen seed Santino. Oh, come on. Come on. Uh, who is Santino's sister? Yeah, who made her debut by winning a women's battle royale at WrestleMania? At WrestleMania twenty-five. Yeah, not just a WrestleMania, a like you know, kind of a an kind of an important one. 20, 25. <laughs> it wasn't like it was WrestleMania like twenty-three where they'd be like, all right, well, this is just in the middle twenty-five, and they brought back. It was the Diva Invitational Battle Royal. So this was the first time that they were like, let's just bring a bunch, a bunch of gals from yesteryear. And you had uh, a future uh, inmate in Pinellas County, Florida, uh, Sunny, was back. Uh, <laughs> uh, she was back for the first time ever. You had a couple girls that had been recently retired, Cross, Brand, Big Gaga, it's going to be fucking five minutes anyway. And it was won by Santina. 
Morella, and then she was crowned Man. Miss WrestleMania. And I think they brought this shit back. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. They did like multiple segments where like I don't think she won the Divas title, but she won like prominent matches. As no, Santina, she, she had an op- she had an opportunity to. Uh, yeah, she had an opportunity to, um, to 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 I guess wrestle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a company, so, uh, a company hated women for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely gross. Um, so I, so I'm not I have in- the list of I have the list of women in the uh, battle royale: uh, Santina, Eve Torres, Jillian Hall, okay. uh, Katie Burchill. Brie Bella, Beth Phoenix, Alicia Fox, Gail Kim, Kelly Kelly, Layla Maurice, Michelle McCool, Molina, Mickey James, Maria, Natalie, Nikki Bella, Rosa Mendez, Tiffany, uh, Joy Giovanni, Molly Holly, Miss Jackie, Sonny, Tori Wilson, and Victoria. That is a who's who of women. And out of all the mm. people in that match, they decided to put the, yeah. <laughs> the rocket under Santino. And Santina, yeah. So, well, I mean, you got uh, like <laughs> – you got about eight names deep, and I was like, I think they made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> but then you started That's, like hitting your stride. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. great. Um, now they've also brought back Santina in previous uh, uh, in previous years as well. Um, but listen, it it was it was good. It was good it, <clears throat> for what it was as a one off. It was great. They 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 ran with it for a couple of weeks, and then he went back to being Santino. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just thought, in all honesty, like you, we, 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 we're having obviously we're having fun with it. It's a cutesy spot um, to put. This is my little to put her. Yeah, in. this is my little my little shove in my so, little shove so, in. So, so your uh, one in sixteen seed was Hornswoggle versus Hornswoggle, and then, and then your it brings it two, two and fifteen is was Santino versus Santino versus Santino. Really trying to protect guys, those. I, I, this really trying to protect guys, those think, high seeds. <laughs> Santino. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm Without taking question. Santino. Yeah. Obviously. Okay. All right, round so, uh, two. Round two now. So yeah, we're gonna circle back up. To, we have a smart. one versus eight matchup. Okay. Uh, Hornswoggle versus Shark Boy. Oh, uh, shit! Hold a, on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me think about this. Let me think about this. Let me think about this. I I know where I was. Let me think about this. I kind of I, I feel depend- a, I feel an upset. If if we're talking. The, First of all, if we're talking what like your favorite is, then I know exactly where I'm going to go. Yeah, if we're yeah. talking about, <laughs> I think they both still appear fairly yes, yeah, regularly. Yes. Yep. Yep. On longevity Impact television. <laughs> longevity. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In every scenario that I just ran through my head. I don't see a scenario where we're struggling with this. I don't either. I'm I'm agreeing. Shark Boy upset. Shark Boy put Shark Boy through. Let's go eight seed Shark Boy. Shark Boy three sixteen says I just kicked your bass. Yes, fuck yeah, he's so good. And when he would get hurt, and he's had the fin on top, and he would put a band aid on the fin. Shit, Shark Boy. Oh, yeah, Shark was, Boy's um, fucking great. There was also times. There was. There I don't, was also times where I don't see a world where Shark Boy doesn't win this whole fucking. Yeah. Thing. Let's see. Let's see who he's up against. Um. Also, just at, like uh. So you guys, you guys uh, remember Free Willy, right? Oh yes, yes, of course. So um, orca whales do this thing where if they're kept in captivity or if they're depressed, their fin, their top fin, uh, tur- like uh, yeah, folds. It curves. Oh. Yeah. 
Shark Boy did the same thing. Goddamn, Shark Boy's the best. <laughs> Shark Boy's uh, what a so, knowledge he's of, so fucking. What good. a knowledge of aqua uh, aquamarine marine life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, to be fair, I did want to be a marine biologist when I was uh, a child. So real George Costanza over here. <laughs> <laughs> the sea was angry that day, my friends. Is that a, right, is so, that a tight uh, list? The eight seed Shark Boy with our first upset. Okay. Um, our 5-4 matchup, we have the Spirit Squad against King Booker. Oh, shit. God damn it. I, this is exactly what I wanted. I am I am doing great, guys. I, Thank you so much. I don't think this one's as close. I go personally. King Booker here. Me too. I would go the Spirit like you, Squad, you, but I'm, I'm, I lost anyway. Squad? I was going to go the Spirit Squad because I still think there's okay. like there was so much goofiness so that, in it. That, that, <laughs> and that King, Booker won a world ti- King Booker won a world title. But it's the so... eight seed Shark Boy against the four seed King Booker in the next round. Okay, all right. Don't preview that next round until I have okay. to think about that for a month now. Um, our next matchup is the six seed Eugene against this three seed Master of Thugonomics John Cena. See, now this is where mm. when you when you when you include bad gimmicks and like very successful ones, yeah, it becomes hard. It does. Because, right? Because Eugene was such a good gimmick, but Cena had such an impact on the actual. I mean, Cena is Cena. It's right. So I mean, he's like, listen, I, I really, I really did like Eugene, and I know uh, we were not supposed to talk about the episode that got deleted, but we we did have a Eugene and uh, um, Hornswoggle final, I think, in the last one. I, yeah, I think I think Eugene goes through. I. <sighs> yeah. Tommy, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, Cena. I'm, I'm gonna put the pressure on so you again. So this is bullshit. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know what? When it comes to a gimmick, I'm gonna put Eugene through. Yes. Okay. I see. Yeah. Now, to be fair, now I didn't want to be the I didn't want to be the one to to like pull the Homer card and 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 push my my uh, my Eugene love. Uh, I just think that, if, is, if if we're going in the spirit of how the rest of the, of the tournament, tournament is going, exactly in the, in the spirit of in the, the spirit spot. of the tournament, Eugene goes through. Eugene goes and, through. All right, yes. and then um, our seven-two matchup is the Boogeyman versus Santino. <sighs> Santino. Yeah, I, I gotta go. Santino I on this I, one. I would have went Boogeyman. Okay. Okay. I just, I just hate the Boogeyman. So I this hate is, the Boogeyman. This, this wound up being a. And, and the and the, the 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 majority vote I think is playing a big part in this, which I really do like. Um, so we do have the eight four seed Shark Boy King Booker matchup. So, so let's Anybody just preview your let's preview your final your four. final four right My now. My final four is Shark Boy versus King Booker and Eugene versus Santino, mm. which would have been our final in the previous show. Mm. Well, if we're talking, are we strictly talking Shark Boy King Booker right now? Yes, Shark Boy. I'm agreeing. I think Shark Boy is there. I, I've I've said it a million times in this episode, and I will continue to shout from the mountaintops. Although I love the fact that King Booker stretched from two different companies and basically was the same kind of maniacal ruler type. Shark Boy is Shark Boy pops up on in an AEW. Battle Royal or a Impact Wrestling Battle Royal right now, everybody think, would go I'd nuts ha- for Shark. I think Boy. I would pop harder for Shark Boy than I would for Booker. Yes, and uh, the thing yes. is, if the thing is, 
if Booker comes back, he's coming back as Booker. He's not coming. He's back not going to be. Oh, if he does, goddamn King Booker in the modern era would be. No, awesome. he would come back. He would come back as a TNA version of Booker. <laughs> yeah, right. If, he, Black if, like, Snow. if it wasn't a WWE version, it would be. It would be that version. Yeah, the, he, there's no chance he comes back as King yeah. Booker. I'm giving right. Sharp Boy the Duke and, on that one. And like Sharp Boy even had just regular Sharp Boy, and then he had the Stone Cold. Yeah, Sharp he Boy. there's right exactly. You got two Sharp Boys for one. Oh, uh, I mean, and having having the fans in the crowd with the with the fins up in the air. I mean, oh, it's great. Jesus. Um, are we a Shark Boy podcast now? I, I by the way, uh, Shark Boy was very nice to me when I uh, went to we went to the uh, WrestleCon at the uh, he shall not be named uh, anymore penis party, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> Even before I got to my seat, I saw Shark Boy because he was in the opening match. Uh, I walked over and I talked to Shark Boy for a little while, and he did the fin salute on his head, and I did the fin salute. So Shark Boy is is aces in my book, super dude. Shout out to uh, shout out to Richie to May for for setting that up for us uh, a couple years back. We had so much fun there. Uh, speaking of gimmicks, we got to see um, what's the uh, the Japanese wrestler that we saw that won that battle royale. Uh, didn't uh, didn't the doll win? Yes, that was a DDT. It was a DDT battle oh, royal. It was um, a DD, the DDT. Yokoshiko. Uh, Yokoshiko. Yes. Yokoshiko. Yeah. Yeah. I think Yokoshiko I mean, won the battle gimmicks. royal. Yeah. Talk about gimmicks. That that shit was great. Um, well, we could talk about that, but uh, the six seed Eugene versus the two seed Santino. Um, um I'm gonna kick this one off. <clears throat> go ahead. I as much as I loved Eugene. Like Santino is really like he's. I think he's on a different level. So I'm gonna go with Santino. Okay. Unfortunately, I feel like it doesn't matter who goes through this round. <laughs> uh, I go Eugene. I've got. Up. I say Eugene. okay. So I'm casting the deciding vote on this one, right? So Tommy, Tommy did vote. that. So he- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I think I left the door open for that one. Oh shit. Uh, I'm going to agree with Matt on this one. I like, I think, again, Santino, it it ran its course after a while and it got real, real corny, but he, he was, he was very funny. Heel baby face. He could, he could, he could get it done. Good comedy, good timing on his comedy. So like doing the splits as the guys are running the ropes. I mean, yeah, Santino was, Santino was, and the accent was, he was basically Balky from, uh, perfect strangers as a wrestler so uh let's go Mike, San- i think you just uh i think you just aged yourself i right dated there, myself buddy. again well yeah. i have to do that like once um, or twice a podcast so I, I, yeah you do yeah. yeah uh usually you say a word that i don't know what it means yes but... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. uh all right so our championship is an eight two seed uh we have shark boy going up against antino shark boy, shark boy. <laughs> 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 all right guys that's a podcast Wrap it up. viva la shark boy uh listen i i'm okay with that like i mean we knew we knew i was gonna vote for since you know we could have dragged it out a little bit longer but uh no, I guess no need to restricting guys yeah no no, no, no. need to nope got next podcast <laughs> rebooking shark boy in wrestlemania <laughs> you, you, you know, shark boys you know tna champ you know what i have to say about that mike oh i, I hope it's shell yeah you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
I just saw this randomly sitting in my room. All right, I'm, I'm I think glad. Richie got me for this. I'm glad. Got this for. And me. this is not a uh, a video podcast. So uh, <laughs> no, Matt, I, I'm glad it's not. Matt had nobody a, needed to see me do that. Vince McMahon puppet, but anyway, uh, Shark the Firefly Boy. Funhouse Vince McMahon puppet. Okay, so. Um, that wraps up the 2000s. Excellent bracket. A lot of talking points. A lot of stuff to, to debate. We roll into the next episode uh, where we're going to have our final four. We'll have a couple honorable mentions, I'm sure, that, that are going to you know, stimulate the brain. But um, So that'll, that'll put a bow on this one. Our final four, by the way, um, Tommy, you, you, you thought that you would devise the bracket, right? Um, yeah, so what I was thinking as to not have uh, too much overlapping mm -hmm. because when we go, you know, from decade to decade, there are a lot of these, these gimmicks that are going to cross over sure. from one to another. Yeah. So I was thinking on one side, you have the eighties mm -hmm. versus the two thousands. Okay. And then you have the nineties versus the, versus the modern, like, the modern, the modern okay. slash miscellaneous okay. uh, All right. bracket that we had. That makes cool, sense. Cool, cool. So I we're like going to end up um, with, Hey, so that'll end up just a preview that last episode. That'll end up with my winner from the '80s bracket, who was the Ugandan giant Kamala, taking on Shark Boy, and uh, <laughs> then we have Doink the Clown. I see. Doink the Clown versus uh, the Invisible Man. This is going to be a fun episode, guys. I, I really, I'm looking forward to talking about so that a little bit. I know I was. I was a little bit out of the loop on on the um, the new age guys, but uh, mm -hmm. we'll, I'm sure I'll get a little bit of a rundown, and then we can talk about it a little bit. That sounds great. Yeah, it's certainly a little bit of research is going to be done on our side of things. Um, so just to wrap up real quick, make sure again if you guys are are new to this podcast, hey, Mike, uh, real quick, yes, I'm sorry. Ahead. What what when are we releasing this episode? Do you know? So this episode will be out on the. It'll be next week, I believe, on the twenty sixth. Right, that is a Thursday. Okay, cool. So uh, the twenty sixth, uh, when you guys are hearing this, if uh, speaking of gimmicks, if you're not doing anything tomorrow night, Friday night, uh, uh, October twenty seventh, make sure you guys come out and see my band Finding Emo playing at McDonough's Pub in Keyport. Keyport, where? Where's Keyport? Is that New uh, Keyport, New Jersey, okay. located in the heart of uh, Monmouth County, the armpit of New Jersey. Come on, don't undersell it. It's, it's this is the Bayshore. This is the <laughs> no, Bayshore um, area. We're we're doing we're we're gonna have a we're gonna have a Halloween themed emo night. We're all wearing costumes. It's gonna be a good time. Um, I ordered two hundred and fifty temporary tattoos that I will be putting all over my body. So if you want to see what that looks like, come find out. Oh, great. Okay. So you're basically gonna be Brody King for Halloween. All right. <laughs> Tremendous, <laughs> tremendous. I don't want to give away the surprise. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, great show, guys. I, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for letting me uh, not have to shoe in uh, Test or Spike Dudley for an episode. Okay, yes, we, we get a little bit of a reprieve. Um, but anyway, uh, that is the show, just real quick. Um, if you want to follow us on uh, social media, on X, formerly Twitter, uh, that would be at DKickBasement. Um you know, check it out. We have usually during the week we have some uh, some preview photos and and kind of get you in the mood and in the spirit to listen to our episodes. So uh, check us out there. Uh, check us out on the next episode where we're giving you a winner of the vaunted uh, tournament of gimmicks, and we're going to talk about a couple other uh, gimmicks that we might have missed. So um, for uh, for our host of this episode, uh, Matt Geiger. For vaunted uh, was the word today. Vaunted, vaunted was <laughs> yeah, the word that was of the, the day. Word that aged yourself. And uh, and for Tommy Schultz, this is Mike Madden. We are signing off, and uh, we'll check you guys later. <laughs>